Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. That Israel stands at her impossible place. And the Lord performs this incredible miracle. Scripture says in Exodus chapter 14, verse number 21, that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. I like the next three words. The Lord caused. Moses stretched forth his hand. But the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. We continue our series this morning the way of the way maker. We're t- speaking today from this subtopic God makes a way. God makes a way. Would you ask the Lord to help us now? Jesus, I'm asking you in the next little while. God, as we break the bread of life, Lord, as we've made this journey with you, discovering how you work and how you operate in impossible moments. That you would anoint us together now in the preaching, the delivery, dear God, of the Word of God, our reception to it. Let faith, God, arise in our hearts to receive the Word of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And would you lift your voice to Him one more time? And would you make a glorious sound of praise unto the Lord, joyous before Him, rejoicing in the presence of our God. Thank you, Lord. I worship you today. I magnify you, Lord. You may be seated. God bless you. Israel has come to this moment of seeming impossibility in their journey out of Egypt. They are confronted by the Red Sea. It's here that their hopes begin to wither and disheartment sets in. They've dreamed so long of Exodus. They have thought of what it would be like and here they are on the brink of securing what they've longed for, what they've hoped for, and what they've dreamed for. They're within just a moment of snagging it with their own hands. And suddenly they are faced with an impossibility that seems to rise out of nowhere. And suddenly a people who have been in bondage for 400 years fall prey to another kind of bondage. This time it's not the taskmaster's whip, but it is a whip, but a whip of a different kind. It is that whip of fear and panic that grips their heart. Understand, this is a people that has been wrestling with how to live by faith. 
Because Moses has told them, if you will trust what God says, God will lead you out of Egypt. And God has miraculously, ten times now, He has miraculously demonstrated His ability to them in the land of Egypt, showing that He has authority over their oppressors, and He has His hand on their home and is able to take care of them. They have risen on wobbly legs of faith to believe that God can do what He said He would do. Can you imagine the night that Moses announced to the Israelites that all you need to do is slay a lamb, take the blood from that lamb, and put it on the doorpost, and somebody turned to the neighbor and said, Have you ever heard of such a thing? I've never heard in all my life of taking blood from a lamb and putting it on the post. That's something that I've never heard my forefathers talk about. I've never heard generations gone by of speaking of doing anything like that. And yet Moses stands here as an envoy from God that says, if you'll put the blood on the doorpost, God will deliver you. You talk about faith now. These folks in something they've never seen done before, No generation before them has ever done it. They rise to the occasion and by faith they dip hyssop into that bowl of blood and they begin to paint it on the doorpost because the man of God said, if you'll do this, this will get you out and you'll walk away in freedom. And they put together all the faith they had, applied the blood, and the death angel passed over every home where the blood was and there was no death that came to that house. And at midnight, God led this nation of people out of bondage and leads them toward the promised land. And what a shout of victory they must have gone out with. What a song, what what a triumph. They must have went out clicking their heels together saying, you know what, God's come through, God's got us out, only to run into a dead end only to find themselves at a place where there was no exit and no way through. Have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself on the brink of what you thought God was going to do? Have you ever found yourself on the precipice of what you have mustered all your faith together to believe for? You have risen on those wobbly legs of faith. And you have tried your best to believe and it looked like it was coming together. It looked like it was going to happen. And suddenly, just just about the time, it was within hand's reach. You could see it. You could feel it. You could sense it. Suddenly, a, a, a blockade comes up. Obstacle comes up. And what's within reach is suddenly no longer in reach. And it's just this moment in the sight of the impossible that we begin to cry out. Israel did it in Exodus chapter 14, verse number 10. The Bible says that Pharaoh drew nigh. The children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. Now watch. And the children of Israel cried out. Now, if you want to know what cried out means in Hebrew, they lifted means panic. They simply panicked. They lifted their voice and said, What now, Lord? 
Where to? I don't know which way to go and I don't know which way to turn. Because you see, panic will always push the pause button on faith. And it will always promote fear in your life. When panic begins to rise, it will pause your faith and begin to promote your fear. And begin to cause you to call into question what God has already done. What God has already showed you. What God has already accomplished. Look, Exodus chapter 14, verse number 11. In their panic mode now, they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. you got to understand, your dilemma, the dilemma we're in right now, will cast a long shadow over our deliverer. And call into question his ability and his, 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 his might and his power to perform a miracle in our life. It's in this moment of panic that we become very blind to God's plan and God's purpose. And in our moment of panic, we come to believe God doesn't even know what He's doing. He don't know how to get us out of here. And what's the reason he got it? He's got us here anyway. I don't understand what's going on. I cannot figure it out. Can I just pause to tell you, if God's told you something in the dark, don't you ever begin to question it in the moment you're in right now. If He told you something at the very worst moment of your life, whatever moment you're in at this precise moment, however dark it may be, don't you dare question it because the God that spoke once will speak again. I've come to tell you He's Jesus Christ. He's the same. I wish I had somebody that knew how to help a preacher. He's Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Somebody help me now. Today, does anybody believe it? And forever. That's what the psalmist said. He, He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He never stops leading you in your moment of dilemmas. He doesn't stop leading you in your moments of pain and darkness. He doesn't stop leading you in those those barricade moments, those moments where you're at your dead end and you feel trapped. He never stops leading you. He's always got a plan and He's always got a purpose. And even in my moment of dead end, I'm still trusting that God knows how to lead me. Sometimes you got to raise your voice. Sometimes you got to lift your eyes and you got to tell your dead end, He leadeth me. He leadeth me. I need a little help now right here on this left-hand side. Somebody say it with me. He leadeth me. Somebody say it now. He leadeth me. Anybody in this middle section? He leadeth me. Anybody on this right-hand side? He leadeth me. 
he leadeth me. I can't call into question what God's doing in the moment of my dilemma. I've got to continue to believe God's got a plan and God's got a purpose that he's working out. Now, there's some things that you and I have got to learn. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to listen now. We got to learn. We got to learn. There are some rules of engagement here. I'm going to give you three of them. I would give you two, but I always give three. So we're going to give three. There are three rules that you need to abide by. If you don't abide by these three rules, your dead end is going to be miserable. But if you'll simply abide by these three very simple rules of being at your dead end, when it looks like you can't cross, you can't back up, you can't go forward, you can't go to the left, you can't go to the right, there is no human way out. These are the rules you need to abide by. Are you ready? You might want to have pen and paper. You may need to address these rules before the day's over. Because rule number one is simply this, don't panic, pray. Rule number one, don't panic, pray. When I get to my dead end, when I get to that place where it looks like I'm trapped and I don't know what he's doing and I wonder if he's still got a plan and he's still got a purpose, the first thing I got to learn is don't panic but always pray. I think I hear a little advice from the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 4 and 6 when he says, be careful for nothing. Or more aptly translated simply this, do not fret and have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known unto God. The Apostle Paul says when you get in that dead end, don't you dare have any anxiety. And don't you worry about anything but in prayer and supplication. And oh yes, give a good seasoning of thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Do you know what worry is? Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you can't change. That's what worry is. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you can't change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things that only He can change. And only He can alter. So if you're going to have a conversation when you're at the dead end of life, why don't you have a conversation with God instead of having a conversation with yourself? Because when I have a conversation with myself, I usually find myself in worse place than I am than when I have a conversation with God. Because when I have a conversation with myself, I know the measurement of my sea. And when I have a conversation with myself, I know the number of horses coming behind 
behind me. And when I have a conversation with myself, I know how many chariots are in that army. And when I have a conversation with myself, I know how deep the sea is. And when I have a conversation with myself, I've already got it figured out that the number of horses and the number of chariots and the size of the sea says I ain't getting out of this anytime soon. But when I have a conversation with God, it's like putting a match to faith and faith begins to ignite and tells me, you know what? There's a sea here and there's an army here, but there's a God that's over all and He knows how to get me through. Somebody ought to have a conversation with God. You say, yes, but pastor, Scripture says they did cry unto the Lord. Yes, but their cry wasn't a cry of faith. It was an excusive cry. It wasn't expressive of faith. They were accusing God of His lack. They were accusing God of His insufficiency. It wasn't expressing their faith. You see, prayer must be the place where we express faith to God. That's why James calls it the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. You know what prayer is? It's the prayer of faith. It's not just words I say. It's not just a dialogue. But it is the channel by which faith flows from me to Him. So that God can meet my need. One old Puritan writer said it like this. Faith is to prayer what feathers are to an arrow. The feathers is what makes the arrow of prayer fly swifter and pierce the very throne of grace. So when you shoot prayer, make sure it's got the feathers of faith on it so that it goes where you want it to go because I must always act in faith. Turn to your neighbor and say rule number two. Rule number one is don't panic. Pray. But rule number two, stay calm. God's in control. Stay calm. Turn to your neighbor and say, just stay calm. Stay calm. God is in control. Everything's going to be all right. God's going to take care of all of this. You see, Israel looked behind them and they saw the dust rise from the hooves of Egypt's army. And they could hear the pounding of those hooves and the rumble of those chariot wheels. And they were panicking that they were now not just going back to slavery, but their homes were going to be utterly devastated in the process of all of this. And they lift their voice in a moment of terror, saying, Moses, what would you bring us out here for? Why did you lead us out here to die? I like Moses' response. He responds well. In Exodus chapter 14, verse number 13, Moses said to the people, Fear ye not. Somebody say it with me now. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to show you today. The Egyptians that you see today you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. And ye shall hold your peace. 
You see, when he said, I think Sister Borders got a little bit of inspiration last Sunday morning in that little anointed sermonette that she gave. And I asked her this week, I said, how do you do that? Get, get that moment of inspiration. And, and, and I, I work all week to get it. And she got it in just a moment. But So I'll borrow from her sermon. I'm going to plagiarize. Is that all right? I plagiarize from the best. She said, she said, she said to, to, to be still was not just sitting isolated or without movement, but it was sitting calm. It was sitting with our focus upon God. It was sitting with a confidence, undismayed, unmoved, unruffled by the events that are around us. Now there may be reasons to be afraid but I can tell you there's a whole lot better reason to be confident and the better reason to be confident is God is in control and He's fighting for you. Does anybody believe that here on this Sunday morning? My God is in control. Oh I wish somebody could hear me now. I wish somebody understood that. Don't, don't panic. Pray. Stay calm. Be confident. Keep your faith. God's going to help me. Somebody say it now. God's going to help me. Come on, somebody say it now. God's going to help me. Yes, He is. God's going to help me. Do you notice that that little phrase, fear not, is used in Scripture 63 times. Be not afraid is used 28 times. In fact, this Frequent phrase of admonishing us not to fear is used so frequently in Scripture that there must be a message that the Lord's trying to get across to us. Don't be afraid. Be confident. Listen. Because you see, fear and faith can't exist at the same time. Ask Peter. When he got on the water... When he began to watch what was going around him, he started sinking because fear and faith can't exist at the same time. One's got to go. And I don't, want, I don't want faith to go. I want fear to go. So fear and faith has got to, it's got to part ways and faith has got to establish itself. Have you noticed that the very first time that the word fear not or the phrase fear not is used in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 15 when the Lord speaks to Abraham and he says, Fear not, Abram, I am. Thy shield. Have you noticed that the very first time that the word fear not is is given in Scripture, that it's accompanied by God's name, I am. Fear not, I am thy shield. But may I draw your attention to the book of Revelation because the last time the phrase fear not is used is used in the book of Revelation chapter 21. And it's here that Jesus tells John, fear not, for I am. The first and the last. Can I say it this morning from beginning to end? He is the I am. So I will fear not. Oh, come on somebody. Stay confident. God is in control. <laughs> what's, that, what's that verse we cling to? Somebody ought to cling to it right now. Isaiah 40 and 31. They that wait. Wait how? Wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint because God is in control. Somebody say rule number three. Rule number one is don't panic, pray. Rule number two is stay calm, be confident. Rule number three is this. Stay focused on God, not the enemy. Stay focused on God, not the enemy. Have you noticed that Israel was being pursued by her former captors? And she was already imagining returning to those horrific events, going back to the horror that she had previously lived. But God designed a way to secure her in that moment. Look at it in Exodus chapter 14, verse number 19. The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all night. Here is Israel camped at their dead end and God camps in between Israel and Egypt and on one side of God is darkness and on the other side is light and the Egyptians can't find their way and the Israelites can't see the Egyptians and they're camping in the light of Almighty God. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that I've got a God that knows how to work and I got to keep my focus on Him and not my enemy. Come on. Somebody lift up your eyes now. Somebody lift up your eyes. Get it off the waves. Get it off the trouble. Get it off the problem. Get it off the prognosis. Get it off the letter. Get it off all of the stack of window envelopes. Get your eyes on God. Because I got a God that's camped strategically between my problem and me. And He's given light to me. And He's given darkness to my enemy. Everything's going to be alright. I think I hear an song say turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace I just got to get my eyes and focus upon him let the, let the storm clouds rage. Let the dark clouds rise. They don't worry me. I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. I'm confident He walks with me and not of earth shall harm me for I'm sheltered in the arms of God. Oh friend, I'm telling you today, God's before you. He's behind you. He's on your left and He's on your right. Everything's going to be all right. Can somebody give Him a little praise right now? Oh, I feel a mighty God in the house. I said, I feel a mighty God in the house. I said, I feel a mighty God in the house. And it's in that dead end place. Trapped between the sea Talk about being trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea. It was between the devil and the deep red sea. 
They were trapped. They were caught. They had no place to go and couldn't get out. Watch what Moses admonishes in Exodus 4, 15. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord, remember, he's in control now. Speak unto the children of Israel. Go forward. God, I know you're omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But if I may explain to you, there's a sea in front of me. And he said, go forward. I don't know if you know it or not, but I don't know how to swim. And he said, go forward. Sometimes you got to act on your faith. Go forward. Go forward. How? The Lord's fighting for me. Well, what's the Lord going to do? Look what he does in Exodus 14 and 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused. I like that. Those are the three most powerful words in Scripture. And the Lord caused. The Lord caused. He caused that, that east wind. He caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night. And He made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. He blew all night long. Can I tell you, all night God's been working on your problem. Come on, all night, while you were worrying in your tent, while you were confused about your problem, God was in the middle of your problem, and He blew all night. I said, all night he's been working. You thought God was sitting on a throne room chair doing nothing. I'm telling you, God has been at work all night. God has been involved all night. And he's going to make a way right in the middle of this great problem and perplexity that I'm in right now. I just feel like telling somebody on this Sunday morning, my God is going to make a way out of no way. I've come to tell somebody, my God, is going to make a path through. I've come to tell somebody on this Sunday morning, my God is going to put doors where there are no doors. He's going to open windows where you thought there could never be any open windows. I've come to tell somebody on this Sunday morning, my God specializes in making a way. He's been at work all night long. Can I tell this great congregation, it looks like we've been at a dead end for the last two and a half or three years, but we've not really been at a dead end. God has been working all night. I like the way the psalmist describes this event in Psalms 106, verse number 9. The psalmist describes it like this. He rebuked. Hmm. That sounds like a strong word. He rebuked the Red Sea. And it was dried up. If you'll look in that 106th chapter of the book of Psalms, the Bible says that it was at the blast, watch now, at the blast of his nostrils. What a description. He said he rebuked the sea at the blast of his nostrils, that east wind. 
In other words, God gets angry over what keeps you locked up. God gets angry at what keeps you at a dead end. God gets upset at what keeps you barricaded and keeps you from your promise and keeps you from where he wants to take you and scripture says the psalmist says he rebuked the sea in other words I can just see God pardon me for a moment I have to use my imagination I can just imagine now God looking at that sea and said I've told you get out of the way these are my kids this is my promised family and I'm leading them through and at the blast of his nostrils that east wind blew all night long and the sea said where can I go to get away from him where can I go and the sea began to flee and the ground become dry hey I resent folks that try to explain the miraculous I have a problem with them there there are there are folks that try to explain the miraculous I heard one guy try to explain the Red Sea. They said, well, where, where, he, where, he, where they crossed at, it was only ankle deep anyway. One old preacher said it like this. Well, that's even more of a miracle because he, he drowned the entire Egyptian army in ankle deep water. Hey, I'm telling you, God is a miracle worker. He dried the sea up. He parted the water. And they crossed on dry land. And every time Israel got in a tough spot, they reached back to that miracle and said, if God can do that, He can take care of anything I'm in right now. I've come to tell somebody on this Sunday morning, wherever you're at right now, if God did that, He can do it for you. He can make a way. He's working. I said He's working. Somebody say it with me now. God's working. Somebody shouted, God's working. He's going to work all night long. I said, He's going to work all night long. He's going to make a way where there appears to be no way. All I got to do is have a little trust, a little confidence in God. Don't panic. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. It was a father. Just got in church. Hadn't been in church very long. His daughter was had severe asthma and many decades ago long before any type of breathing treatments and things of that nature the school had called that the little girl had had asthma was 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 gasping for breath he and his wife went picked the little girl up from school driving back across town they had to go by the church because the hospital property bordered the church property. But instead of going past the church, he wheeled his car into the church. And his wife said, where in the world are you going? We've got to get her to the hospital. If we don't get her to the hospital, she's going to die. She's gasping in their arms for breath. He said, I'm going to stop and see if the preacher's at the church. He ran into the church, ran into the sanctuary. My dad was standing in the sanctuary. He ran into the sanctuary and said, Preacher, that little girl's got asthma. She's gasping. Dad just reached his hand over and laid his hand on her head. 
and begin to pray a little simple prayer. And from one breath to the next, that asthmatic condition quit. And she began to breathe normal. And far to my knowledge, never had any problem with asthma after that. But it just simply took one man that said, you know what? I'm not going to panic. God's in control here. God's going to take care of this. God's going to handle this. God's going to work this. Ah, come on now. God is working. Even when you don't know it, He's working. Even when you can't feel it, He's working. Even when you don't understand how, He's making a way through. He's making a path. And so I'm just going to trust in the Lord. It's no secret what the Lord can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. His arms are wide open. He'll pardon you. It's no secret what the Lord can do. Does anybody believe we serve a God that knows how to make a way through? Would you stand with me? And would you lift your voice and your hands to the Lord? Right in the face of your dead end, would you lift your hand? Right in the face of that place you think is uncrossable right now. Whatever the health issue, whatever the financial issue, whatever the crisis or the dilemma, just lift your voice in your head. There's a God that's in control now. <laughs> There's a God that's in control. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located at 3221 North Porter Avenue in Norman, Oklahoma. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.apostolicworship.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285, or you can email us at info at apostolicworship.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.